interesting thing about this psalm that Ron read, Psalm 27, is that this psalm isn't a psalm of David like repenting and kind of confessing sin to God, but this really is a psalm about, about David running from enemies in his life. And uh, David was a man, if you, if you don't know his story much, he was a man that God called at a young age, and God said to this man, I have a plan and a purpose for your life, and that is that you would be the, the king over all of Israel. And uh, yet there were men who really did not want to see uh, this happen in David's life. They became David's enemies, and they really spent the, the majority of their life seeking out and pursuing to end David's life. They were uh, what you would call the enemies of David, or what David describes here as his enemies are, are these men that are literally on a hunt for David to uh, not only throw him into jail, but to really snuff out his entire life from him. And David in this psalm is, this is really David's heart cry as he comes to God and he's saying, God, don't let my enemies get hold of me. I want you to protect me and I want you to keep me safe. And uh, with a topic like this, you may not think that we would turn to a psalm like this, but uh, really what the Bible tells us is that you and I, although we may not have physical enemies running after us, we have a spiritual enemy who is known as the enemy of our soul that is literally doing everything in his power to snuff out our life or to come after us and pursue us so that he would destroy us at every single turn of our life. When you wake up in the morning, there's two people who have a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, and the enemy of your soul has a plan for your life. And this psalm of David that Ron just read and that spoke to Ron in his time of need is a psalm that can help us to walk in God's plan for our life and not in our enemy's plan for our life. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says that this enemy of our souls is a thief, that this thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy 1 Peter 5.8, Peter describes this enemy of our souls, and he says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Do you know that the enemy of your soul is after you, and he's coming to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you? Do you know that the enemy of your soul is a lion who is seeking to devour your entire life? And this lion, note, he is not in a cage waiting for you to stumble across his path. No, he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking an opportunity to devour you and your life with God. This lion is, is, is prowling around in a lot of different ways. In terms of sexual temptation, it's, I mean, it's obvious to us that sexual temptation is not something that you have to go looking for in your life. I mean, yes, sometimes you go looking for it, but sexual temptation is something that's going to come looking for you one way or another. And the thing that David is working with in this psalm is, are you prepared when your enemies come your way? And so when you open your email and there's sexual temptation right in your face, or when you look at a billboard and there it is, you're walking on the street and there it is, or you're opening your, you know, looking through your mail for the day and there it is. Sexual temptation is coming your way. Are you going to be prepared for it? Or when materialism comes your way, are you going to be prepared for it? When Lowe's says, never stop improving, there's always a better bathroom, there's always a better kitchen, there's always nicer clothes. When a commercial comes on and tells you, you can have that better car, you can have that better watch, you can have that better thing, are you going to fall into that trap or are you going to be prepared for that. I'm not good at style. I'm not a stylish dude, and I'm always looking around. It's, the style seems to be always changing to me. I'm always trying to keep up with it, but every time I feel like I catch up a bit, it changes again on me. It can make me feel as though I have no worth because I can't keep up with the Joneses, but the reality is if, if my worth is in that anyway, I'm already getting tripped up on the whole thing in the first place. 
The enemy, the enemy of our souls, he tempts us into sin. That's one of the ways that he trips us up and he seeks to devour out our souls. But another way that he seeks to trip us up is by condemning us after we have sin. If you notice in Ron's story, he didn't say it was hardest for me when I was in Christian community. He said it was hardest for me when I felt like God wasn't pleased with me and other people weren't pleased with me. He said, the time it was hardest for me to not sin was the time that the accuser of my soul was coming after me and saying, Ron, there you've, you've done it. You failed again. God doesn't love you and neither does nobody else. You know, the, the only thing that the Bible says Satan does day and night is accuse the brethren. The only thing that the Bible says this enemy of our souls is doing all the time is accusing us. And so whether he's tempting you into sin or once you've sinned, he's condemning you. He's coming after you and he's trying to snuff out your life. And David had, he was prepared for something when that happened in his life. David was prepared that when his enemies came after him, he knew where the safe place was for him. He knew where he could go and hide and get comfort from his enemies. He knew where he could go and hide and get protection from those who were trying to snuff out his life. And when this enemy of our souls comes knocking on your door, because let me assure you, he will come knocking on your door. He is knocking on your door. He's knocking on all of our doors. Where will you go in that time? And David said that the, the place he went, the thing that he did, it was this one ambition of his. It was this one thing that above every other thing in his life, if he pursued that, he knew he would be in safe hands. You ready to know what it is? The one thing? All right, let's look at it. Psalm 27, 4. David said, this is one thing that I ask of you, Lord. This is one thing that I seek after, Lord. This is the one thing that I want, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and that I would inquire in his temple. I want to pray with us before we move on this morning that, that temptation would not be on our minds this morning, that condemnation from our enemy would not be on our minds this morning, that whatever it is that's distracting us from this one thing, that our hearts and our minds would be filled with a longing for this one thing, that we would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days in our life. If you're new with us this morning, I want to pray this for you, that this, you would walk out of here today with this desire in your heart, that you would dwell in the house of God all the days in your life. So if you would pray with me, I'm just going to pray with us before we continue on here. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your love for us. Father, thank you that you are our Father, that you're, you're our protection from the enemy of our souls. I thank you that you're the one thing, God, that's good to us. You're the one thing that is safe for us. You're the one place we can run to, Lord, in our time of need, and you are always there, Father. And I just I pray that this morning, our hearts would be filled with a passion to dwell in your house. Lord, I just I pray this morning that our hearts would be filled with a desire to be in your presence above everything else this life throws at us. Lord, I pray that whether it's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday morning or a Friday morning, Lord, that we would wake up with this thought in our minds that we would want to be in the presence of God. And Father, I just thank you that you welcome us right in. I thank you that you welcome us into your presence. And that's, it doesn't have to be a foreign place for us, Father, but that's a place you invite us in, that we would know our Father in heaven. And I just pray for every one of us, Lord, that you would once again help us to know our Father in heaven. Whether we're struggling with temptation or condemnation or whatever it is, that we would right now in this moment be just filled with the knowledge of our Father in heaven. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.
It's important for us to realize that the Christian life is not a life of us not doing this and not doing that and not doing this and not doing that, but it is a life of us doing one thing, and that is seeking out the glory of God and, and desiring to dwell in his presence. It's important for us to realize that if we want to run to a safe place, there's one safe place for us. It's not good methods and good practices and a disciplined life, although those, those are all good things. The one safe place for us is his presence. And when we're there, our heads are lifted above our enemies. Our, he is our refuge and our rock. It says that we can stand upon the rock of ages and upon him when we stand alone are we secure in this life. And David does not run into the presence of God just haphazardly. Although you can run right in like a child to your father, you don't have to get yourself straightened out first. You can run right into the presence of God, but there are a few things in particular that David knows and he does, and because he knows and he does them, he can run into the presence of God, and in there he can find strength. And, and, and for a few of these things in particular, if we were to not do them, we were to neglect them, it would actually be impossible for us to run into the presence of God. So let us look at what David did in his desire to run into the presence of God. First and foremost, Psalm 27.1, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. What he's saying is, God is the one who saved me. He's the one who's been my salvation all my life, and he is my salvation. As a matter of fact, if God wasn't your salvation, there's no way you could go into your presence because the Bible tells us that our sin has separated us from God, that there is literally a divide between us, and because God is holy and perfect and good, it would be impossible for us to run into his presence unless first we were, we were made right in such a way that we would be able to go in. And that's exactly what the Bible says that Jesus has done for us. In John 3, the, we see that God is not a God of anger pushing us away. He's not a God who's wanting to reject us. He's a God who's doing everything he can to get to us. And he's made a way for us to get through the barrier of our sin into his presence. But it's only by the way which he's provided that we can do it. And that way is Jesus Christ himself. John 3 says it like this, God so loved the world. God so hated the world. God was so angry with the world. No, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only beloved, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. First and primary thing for us to look at this morning is that if we are to ever run into the presence of God, this safe place, we must first be saved, which only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you have not yet expressed faith in Jesus Christ, that he would forgive you of your sins and make you right with God and welcome you into the Father's presence, this morning is the time for you to do that. If you've not yet said, Jesus, I'm gonna, I want to trust in you. I want to be washed clean by you. I want to be made right with God by you. I would ask that right now in this moment you would do that. And I'm not going to ask you to come up here and stand with me or anything, but there's one thing you can do, and that is pull out that communication card. And on the back of that, if you want to take that step today, this is something you have to do in your own heart, but this is something that we would love to help you with, is that you would walk with Jesus in your life. And if you've never yet taken that step, I want you to just check that box on the back of your card that says, for the first time, I'm going to run into the presence of Jesus, and I'm going to trust in him. If, you've, if you haven't done that in your life, please check that box. We would love to help you with that. So he's our salvation in that he saves us from our, our separation from God and brings us into the presence of God. He's also our salvation in that he delivers us. You know, this whole temptation and struggle and condemnation, it can oftentimes feel like a hopeless battle that we're trying to fight. 
This enemy of our souls is trying to take us out, and it can feel sometimes like, in this area of my life, I, there's just no hope of me ever being victorious. But if Jesus is our salvation, that means he can deliver us from whatever it is that we're going through. And that means if you have a temptation or a struggle in your life that's been there for 10 years and you feel as though I am hopeless in the, in the face of this thing, if you look to Jesus, he can deliver you. And you may say, I've tried to look to him a hundred times. Well, look to him again because he can deliver you from it. He's our salvation and our deliverer. Secondly, David was in community and we must be in community. David had mighty men in his life who always stood beside him. Ron and Carissa did not get out of this struggle by trying to fight it out alone. They got out of this struggle because they looked to Christian brothers and sisters. They confessed their sin, and they said, will you help us? The, re- the way that they were redeemed by the grace of God was, yes, by the salvation of Jesus, yes, by running into the presence of God, but only in the midst of Christian community were they really able to do that. And you may be here this morning, you may be, th- may be thinking, I do not want to bring that secret out of hiding. But the reality is every moment that you keep it buried down in yourself and you keep it a secret from other people, every moment that you do that, it is eating away at you. It is, it is rotting your soul. It is rotting your innermost beings. And you, you are going further and further and further away from the grace of God in your life because it's only when we come to him with, with our mess that we can receive his grace. And if you know right now, if I'm, if I'm saying these things and you know, just like James said in James 5, I'm sick and I need to confess my sin that I could be healed. If you know that, I want you on the back of that card just to say, I'm going to talk with someone about my struggle today. If there's a struggle in your life and you know, I need to talk to someone about this. It's, it's been too long that I've been trying to deal with it on my own. I just ask that on the back of that card, you'd say, I'm going to take that step. I'd encourage you to do it today. Not to wait till tomorrow, because if you're anything like me, you probably won't do it if you wait till tomorrow. But to do it today, do it when you leave. And check that box, commit to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to someone about my struggle. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, there's nobody in this room that I feel comfortable talking with about my struggle. There's a, there's a check box on the bottom of that card that says, talk to someone on the pastoral team. I'd love to personally follow up here. One of the guys on the team would love to personally follow up with you about whatever it is you're going through. Check that box. We'll get in touch with you. We'll pray with you, and we'll help you get built into this community where you can be loved and cared for, because none of us were ever meant to fight this thing alone. We can't do it. God hasn't made that available to us. He hasn't made us strong enough where we can do it on our own. He's made us to where we need each other, and it's his grace to us that we have each other, and this church is a beautiful church that loves to help one another and that loves to pick up people who are weak and say, I'll, I'll throw you around my shoulder and I'll carry you until you're strong enough to walk. And people in this church will do that for you if you turn to them. I'm confident of it because I've experienced it in my own life. Firstly, Jesus is our salvation. Secondly, we must be in community. And finally, we must have an advocate with our Father. Because as, as much as we want to not fall into his temptation and condemnation, as much as we want to fight off the enemy of our souls, the reality is sometimes he's going to have a victory over us. There's going to be some days where we do stumble and fall, and we need someone who is an advocate with us to our Father, who we can turn to in that moment. And in John, first, John's first letter, chapter 2, verse 1, he says this about our advocate, the Father. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. It's important to me that 
you not sin because I, I want you to walk in the goodness of God. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What John's saying is I'm writing these things to you. I'm pleading for you. I'm praying for you. I'm fighting for you that you wouldn't fall into sin because I know the damage that it does. But if you do sin, if any of us sin, if you have sinned, please, 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 please know you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's this whole thing that that the Father speaks over Jesus in Matthew 3 when he gets baptized. Jesus gets baptized and the Father speaks over him, this is my beloved Son. With him I'm well pleased. Do you know that if you're hidden in the Son whom he loves, if you've trusted in Christ for your salvation, that you're hidden in him? And when the Father looks at you and the, the Father knows about your sin and you say, Jesus, be my advocate, do you know that the Father looks on you? He says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. That lie that the enemy tries to sow in that says, God's not pleased with you and neither is no one else. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in him, not, anything, not based on anything you've done, just based on the fact that you've put your faith in him, he is your advocate with the Father. And when the Father looks on you, he says, oh, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, I'm well pleased with you. There's nothing we can do to remove the pleasure of God from our lives. He is pleased with us. Why? Because we're hidden in the son. Do you have an advocate with the Father? Yes, you have an advocate with the Father. If you feel as though you've stumbled too many times to turn back to him, you have an advocate with the Father. Here in a moment, we're going to take communion and we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And as you take that bread, which represents the body of Jesus, and you dip it in the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus, there's this temptation for us sometimes to try and come to God with my sin in my hands and just looking at, God, I've failed and I've messed all these things up and I have all these problems and God. But when we take communion, what we're saying to God is we're saying, I'm coming to you with his, his body and his blood in my hands. I'm coming to you with my advocate in my hands and I'm looking to you. And in this Psalm, David, when he came rushing into the presence of God, which is exactly what we need to do when we're tempted. It's exactly what we need to do when we're condemned. It's not to hide away. It's not to push ourselves back from community or from God. It's not when I'm struggling or even when I'm in the midst of my sin, it's not to say, God, turn an eye away for 15 minutes and come back when I'm ready to see you. You know, in that moment that we're tempted, in that moment that we're struggling, we're to rush into his presence because he's waiting for us with grace and mercy. And when we come to him, our advocate, he gives us help in our time of need. And David in this psalm, when he came rushing into the presence of God, it says that he came in with shouts of joy and songs of praise. And you might think, this guy's about to get killed. He's about to get snuffed out from his enemies. How is it that he got into the presence of God and he shouts of joys and songs of praise? How's it, how's it possible that when I'm tempted or when I'm feeling condemned to come in with shouts of joy and songs of praise? I don't feel joyful, Jesus. I don't feel like singing, Jesus, but David's not shouting with joy and singing praise because of anything he did. He's shouting for joy and he's singing praise because of what Jesus did for him. And here in a moment, we take communion and the band plays and we sing in response to what he's done for us. I just want to encourage all of us to take that 
communion and then lift our hands with songs of praise and praise his name. In spite of what came up this morning, I'm sure in some of us there came up this morning sins that you've been dealing with. You maybe even felt guilty as you were listening to Ron's testimony. You maybe even felt, man, I hope I can just get out of here and no one finds out that this is going on in my life. But no, no, no. We can come in this morning confidently, passionately about his grace towards us because he, for us, has made it capable for us to be able to come in with shouts of joy and songs of praise.